seats. Turn with me in your Bibles tonight to Genesis chapter 49. Genesis chapter 49. I was told that uh, a little bit ago during fellowship by Karen that she hopes I, I quickly preach through my two verses tonight. And it's 71 verses tonight. No, just kidding. Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 49. We're going to start reading here in a moment in, uh, on verse 21. Two weeks ago we watched as five of Jacob's sons were called to his bedside to, to hear the father's, their father's last words that, that would be directed to them and their descendants for many years to come. On this occasion, two weeks ago, Jacob addressed Zebulun, Ishkar, Dan, Gad, and Asher. Most of what he said to those sons was positive and their tribes would be blessed and have great courage when they were called upon in years to come. We did see that Jacob paused after speaking to his son Dan, requesting strength to carry on his, his uh, finish, to, to carry on as he was finishing up speaking to the remaining sons. Tonight we'll hear Jacob give charge to his last three sons and then watch as he takes his last breath and goes to meet the God that he had served throughout his entire life. So let's again start reading in Genesis chapter 49, verse 21. Naphtali is a doe set free that bears beautiful fawns. Joseph is a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine beside a spring. Its branches climb over the wall. The archers attacked him, shot at him, and were hostile towards him. Yet his bow remained steady, and his strong arms were made agile. By the hands of the mighty one of Jacob, by the name of the shepherd, the, the rock of Israel, by the God of your Father who helps you, and by the, the Almighty who blesses you with blessings of the heavens above, blessings of the deep that lies below, and, blessing, and, and blessings of the breast of the womb. The blessings of your Father excel, and the blessings of, your, of my ancestors and the bounty <clears throat> of the eternal hills. May they rest on, on, on the head of Joseph, on the crown of the prince of his brothers. Benjamin... Benjamin is a wolf who tears his prey. In the morning he devours the prey. In the evening he divides the plunder. These are the tribes of Israel, twelve in all. And this was what, what their father said to them. He blessed them, and he blessed each one of them with a suitable blessing. Then he commanded them, I am about to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave in the field of Ephraim the Hittite. The cave in the field of Mishpeklah, uh, where Marm in the land of Canaan. This is the field Abraham purchased from Ephron the Hittite as a burial site. Abraham and his wife Sarah were buried there. Isaac and his wife Rebekah are buried there. And I buried Leah there. The field and the cave in it were purchased from the Hittites. When Jacob was finished instructing his sons, he drew his feet into the bed and died. He was gathered to his people. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for allowing us to be in your house tonight. Be with us during this time of, of just
just reading your word and expounding on your word. Help us, Lord, to understand exactly what's taking place here that we might be able to apply it to our lives to further serve you. Thank you, God, for how you love us. In Jesus' name we do pray. And all God's children said, amen. Before we get into tonight's lesson, I want to revisit uh, quickly uh, our last lesson. Uh, if you look at verse 17, <clears throat> verse 17, uh, or verse 16 and verse 17, Jacob is, is talking with his son, Dan. It says, Dan will judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. He will be a snake by the road, a viper beside the path that bites the horse's heels so that its riders, uh, so its rider falls backwards. Uh, after that last study of Genesis 49, Desi and I spoke uh, concerning Jacob's son, Dan, in verses 17 in particular. And what she brought to my attention, I had kind of seen it. Well, I'll, I won't get ahead of myself. She said that one of your former pastors made mention that Dan, uh, the tribe of Dan, would bring out the Antichrist, that he would come out of the tribe of Dan. Now, Wearsby and, uh, John, uh, Warren Wearsby and John Phillips say nothing on this topic, and Henry Morris, uh, the commentator, he alludes to the possibilities, but not, does not say he thinks that it's true. Now, church, listen to me. It makes sense to me as your pastor, and I have kind of debated with some of my professors as we sat down uh, over a cup of coffee in times past. If you think of the seven years tribulation, when the Antichrist comes on the scene, he is going to bring about a false priest uh, peace for three and a half years uh, with the Muslim nations. So there's going to be a false peace. There's going to be a peace, but it's a false peace because it's not going to last. He's going to say that it's a seven-year peace, but after three and a half years, that peace is going to dissolve because of the Antichrist. But for the Antichrist to bring about peace at all, there has to be some sort of link that he has with the nation of Israel. He has to have some sort of connection. Is it possible that the Antichrist has true Jewish roots? Could be. Is it possible that he came out of the tribe of Dan? Could be. Now, Pastor, hold on a second. You're talking as if the Antichrist is alive today. I believe he is. I believe he is. If, if you look with the parable of the fig tree, and if it lines up with the nation of Israel becoming a nation on May 24th, or May 14th, 1948, the Antichrist has to be alive. And Desi and I were talking about this. I would say if he's alive, he is in his uh, mid to late 50s. Because he has to be somebody who's trusted, who, who is older in years with the Jewish nation. I mean, they, they don't, I mean, they value people my age, but I mean, as far as trusting their words and bringing about peace, no. So is it possible? Yes. Do we know for sure? No. So I hope that helps. Did any of y'all come up with that question or was it anything? Did y'all think anything along that lines when I was talking about Dan? Anybody? <laughs> all right we'll move on so what do we see in our scripture tonight what did we see in our scripture tonight first of all tonight we, we stand as we stand uh next to the to the bed of our dying patriarch jacob and i'm, I'm sorry jacob again that you're here tonight to hear all this i, I mean 
Uh, we hear him speak to the, the fewest words to his son, Naphtali. Look at verse 21. Verse 21 says, Naphtali is a doe set free that bears beautiful fawns. I mean, if you're sitting there listening to that and your father's speaking his last words to you, I mean, that's, uh, you know, come on, Dad, you got anything else? I mean, come on. As we consider the history of the tribe of Naphtali, we know that the tribe was north of Zebulon and Ishkar and bordered the Sea of Galilee. Naphtali was part of the district of Galilee called the Galilee of the Gentiles, which is spoken of by the prophet Isaiah and where Jesus ministered, right? Uh, Wearsby says this about Naphtali. The image of the doe set loose suggests a free-spirited people not bound by tradition. Now, the Jews are notoriously bound by tradition, but not this, not this tribe. The 11 other tribes maybe, but not this tribe. The tribe was located in the hill country, so the image was chosen wisely. Moses said they were satisfied with favor and full of blessing of the Lord. The last clause of the verse Jacob speaks suggests that they were a poetic people who could express themselves well. Possessing the abilities to run like does and speak beautiful words, uh, the people of Naphtali would, would make ideal messengers for the nation of Israel. As we finish the, the two sentences that Jacob spoke, no judgment was rendered towards the tribe of Naphtali. We now come to the last two sons of Jacob, who were also two sons of Jacob's favorite wife, Rachel. Jacob called Joseph first, even though he had already spoken to him privately. He was now speaking to him with all of his brothers present for a public display so all the brothers will know how the tribe of Joseph will, set, will fare in days and generations to come. Now this also points all the way back to the visions that Joseph had that his brothers laughed at him. It goes all the way back, uh, you know, to, to when he was, you know, he was the star in the moon or were bowing down to, to him, and the stalks of wheat were bowing down to the one stalk of wheat. Uh, all of what, what Jacob would say to his, his favorite son Joseph was just, I mean, it was, it was tying all the strings together and everything was made whole. So he calls Joseph forward. Now, Jacob used the word blessed six times in the last word spoken to his son Joseph. He compared Joseph to a fruitful, fine, fruitful vine drawing water from the spring and, the, and growing over a wall. This illustrated Joseph's time in Egypt and how he was used to rescue his people. The word fruitful is said to point to Joseph's son Ephraim, founder of the tribe that grew and expanded its territory tremendously more than the others at that given time. Wearsby says, Jacob used the image of archers to describe the suffering of Joseph through his brother's hands. But Joseph did not, did not shoot arrows back. The reference to arrows and bows also refers to the military skill of Ephraim in days to come. Jacob then, gave, uh, then gives three illustrations as to how God protected him and Joseph during the troubling times. And those three illustrations were the mighty one, the shepherd, and the rock or the stone. Jacob then promised Joseph 
that God would give his descendants blessings on the soil they formed by sending the rains from heaven above and providing the streams and the earth beneath. He also promised fertility of the people, of his tribe, and that they would increase in God's glory. Ephraim and Manasseh were very important tribes in Israel. In fact, the northern tribe of the United Kingdom, when they split, the northern tribe stayed true. The northern tribe of Israel was often referred as Ephraim. Y'all with me? So this God, God was going to continue to honor Joseph and all that he did for his family and for the nation of Israel. Now we come to the last son that was called forward. He, Jacob looks at his last, uh, last born son, Benjamin, and calls him forward. Look at verse 27. <clears throat> verse 27 says, Benjamin is a wolf. He tears his prey. In the morning, he devours the prey. In the evening, he divides the plunder. Now think about that for a second. We're talking about Benjamin here. Benjamin's not recorded as saying or doing really anything in Genesis as we've studied. As a matter of fact, he's, he's kind of been that, that, that little, you know, the, the son, the youngest son who's always remained behind because his father was always worried that something was happened to him. Pe people would, would call him a mama's boy or a daddy's boy because he was always protected, always bubbled, nothing, nothing ever happened and he never did anything. But these words are kind of shocking to hear about Benjamin. L listen to it again. He says, Benjamin is a wolf. Did y'all see anything in our study of Genesis that would portray Benjamin as a wolf? But that's what his, his dad says. He tears his prey. In the morning, he devours the prey. In, in, in the evening, he divides the plunder. This, this doesn't sound good at all. But is he referring to Benjamin or to the tribe of Benjamin to come? Well, most likely to the tribe of Benjamin to come. Although we don't know everything about who Benjamin was. I mean, he, he might have been that, that quiet kid who got into everything. Any of y'all ever had any of those? Yeah, we had one. Uh, history tells us that the tribe of Gen Benjamin was a brave tribe that helped defeat Sisera again. But when you read the tribal history record in Judges 19 and 20, you see something very different altogether. Warren Wearsby says, you see in Judges 19 and 20 the ravenous wolf in action. Saul, the first king of Israel, was from the tribe of Benjamin. During his reign, he, he more than once tried to kill David who had done absolutely nothing to him. And he ruthlessly killed every person in the priestly city of Nob. Other famous people from the tribe of Benjamin or the Benjamites who were, who were known for their ferocity were Abner, Sheba, Shemilah, uh, and there's another one who goes all the way through to the New Testament. Do y'all know who that was? He wrote more, more books in the New Testament than anybody else. Or also known as Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus is a Benjamite, Benjamite was like a wild animal when he persecuted the church and, and tracked down the Christians to imprison them. When the nation of Israel divided after Solomon's death, the tribe of Benjamin did something good. 
They remained faithful to the Davidic line and stayed with Judah. So they remained for another almost 100 years. Together, they formed the southern kingdom of Judah. So Jacob's done speaking to his sons. All the sons are now gathered together in verse 29 through 33. He's given them all their blessings, all everything that's going to happen, all that the, the Holy Spirit has spoken through him. And all the sons are gathered together for the last words. Now, the last words Jacob spoke are not, to his, not about his sons. They're to his sons. They're about himself. He wanted to make sure, once again, that his sons will do as he has asked them to do. Well, what is it that he asked him to do? Jacob wanted his last action on earth but to be that of an act of worship unto God he served all of his life. Just the act of being taken back home to the land that was promised to his father's father, he, he would be honoring God once again. Jacob wanted to make sure that his sons knew that he was not to be buried in a pagan land of Egypt. When Jacob spoke this request, our scripture tells us that he drew his feet into the bed and died. Scripture says that he was gathered to his people. Warren Wiersbe says this on the conclusion of Genesis chapter 49. God had blessed Abraham richly, and Abraham shared that wealth with Isaac, who in turn gave it to his son Jacob. But Jacob's hard work had generated even more wealth. Thus, from generation to generation, the wealth was increased because the blessing of the Lord, like the filling of the, land, uh, uh, filling of the land up to the very mountains. But the number of heirs had also increased. And now there were 12 sons who would share the inheritance of their father. Now, do y'all remember when, when Abraham was told, you know, listen, you're, you're going to have a son. Y'all remember that? And he was old in age. And he was like, you know... You've told me that my descendants would be like the, sand, the stars in the sky, the sand on the seashore. I don't see this. God said, look, you know, be patient. He too was speaking about this time. The nation of Israel is growing. The people are growing. What we have seen so far, God is making a mighty people for himself. And it's going to get even bigger. It's going to get even bigger and, and the people are going to, go home to their land. Conclusion. We've learned several things in chapter 49 that, that are very important, but none, no one issue was more than this one. What we sow, we will reap. Generations of our family will be affected by decisions that, that we can make wisely today for the Lord. How are your decisions going to affect generations to come. Let's all stand. Heads bowed and eyes closed. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for this, this message tonight. We thank you that there is great substance in the Old Testament. There's great substance in the historical recording of Genesis. We thank you, Lord, that it still affects us and it's still affecting us today. We pray that you would let your spirit open our eyes and, and speak to our hearts, Lord, about what we need to see through this scripture tonight.
Help us, Lord, to be greater servants for you. Lord, if there's somebody here tonight who just wants to come down to the altar and spend time with you, I pray that you would guide them to your altar, that they might open their their mouth and, and, and just speak words to you that you need to hear from them. In Jesus' name I do pray. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, do you need to come?